Welcome to Awesome with Allison. I'm Allison, and my only goal with this podcast is to help you feel more awesome each time you listen. Whether it's by laughing at me, laughing with me, or learning something new and helpful, I hope you feel a tad more empowered, lightened up, and awesome than you did before. I'm with the one, the only, the sexiest, Pleasant Pictures. (laughs) Hey, guys. It's my husband, Eric Robertson. <laughs> we are in Pleasant Picture Studios in Provo, Utah, the place to be, just period. Dot. Uh, today is episode 16 of the Awesome with Allison and Eric, too, podcast. Yeah, seriously. When are we going to get the, the logo changed? As soon as you commission that, sweetheart. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, today is episode 16, and we are talking about money, honey. Let's talk about money, honey. That's. <laughs> <laughs> are you writing a song? Uh, yeah, all the time. We are going to talk about money. We're going to talk about how Eric and I make money. We're going to talk about whether it's okay to like money, to make more money, to want money, to think about money, all things money. Because money isn't dirty. Money isn't bad. And we need to grab it in a group hug and dispel those (laughs) myths. (laughs) I used to think money was dirty and bad, so that's why I know I've come a long way and I still have to fight some tendencies. Yeah. We're going to talk about it though. And we are going to share just all the things and hopefully uh, empower you to dig up some money in your backyard. Uh, But but first we have our segments and the first segment is nobody cares about your kids. Nobody cares about your kids. My kids? Do you know what's funny about nobody cares about your kids? And we've talked about this is I used it in a hashtag, like a pretend hashtag on Instagram. And I think people who don't listen to the podcast, they get offended. They say, don't say nobody cares about your kids. And I know that has nothing to do with me. It's a reflection of how they feel. They're offended by the thought that nobody cares about their kids. And I've said this before, but this is why I say this when I teach my branding courses. And when I talk about online content creation, people don't care about pictures of your eight-year-old child unless they're personally invested in you so if you have a brand and you sell socks and you randomly throw up a picture of your kid ain't nobody care about your kid well your kid not in socks your kid doing something random exactly even your kid in socks if you show their fate anyway those are those are the gems those are the gems you can learn if you come to one of my branding courses and we'll talk about that later when we talk about making money but that's why we say nobody cares about your kids it's just a nod to content creation but also it's kind of true uh but just to share about rad we threw him a very last minute birthday party by we meaning you and it was I, I was the Grinch. I told you no. That's what kept happening is we told you guys that Rad, our four-year-old, wanted a Lego Shark Star Wars birthday party. And here's the thing, guys. I don't take them to dentist appointments. I don't volunteer in the classroom. Uh, Rad and Ginger haven't had haircuts in a year. There's a lot of things I don't do. I do birthday parties. 
And I believe as a parent, you need to do the things that make you feel like a good parent. And throwing birthday parties makes me feel like a good parent. Now, if you throw a birthday party and it doesn't make you feel any better, it just makes you feel stressed, freaking don't do it. But when I throw a birthday party, it's one of the few things I can do as a parent that makes me feel like I'm not sucking. And Eric knew I was stressed and I had a lot going on and he talked me out of the one thing that makes me happy. Well, come on. I mean, Rat, no, Rat he had he, he went out with the grandparents and picked out toys. He had his own birthday party with the family. He yeah. had a ton of presents. I mean, whatever. And so anyway, on Sunday, I started assembling this cake and he thought it meant there was a birthday party. And then I decided to actually throw a last minute birthday party. And so we just invited a few families over for dinner. It was awesome because I ended up not having to make all the food. <laughs> there were no expectations. There wasn't a photographer. It just was pure, sheer joy and fun for me and Eric took the kids to church and I had Fiona and I decorated the house and I had all of these party decorations left over from Allison's Shell Yes, my all mermaids dance party. So I had cardboard waves and I had all these streamers and Rad came home from church and walked in and saw all the decorations and he said, mom, how did you do this? Like I was a magician and I kept saying, oh, I just, I hung it up and I did this and it just was so sweet the way he kept saying how did you do this like it was like I it's had, like he walked into the north pole yeah t- and so finally i just looked at him and i said mommy's magic <laughs> which he bought he bought that i'm magic <sighs> anyway nobody cares about your kids um <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any, let's instead of telling them about the worst thing we ate, tell them about the best thing we just ate like 30 seconds ago. Tell them about it. It's from a Harmon's grocery store. So if you're in the Provo, Orem, Salt Lake area, this is not sponsored, but it should be. It should be. Call us Harmon's. Okay, well, I know it's white chocolate pecan, but there's a, some sort of it's fruit. It's just a white chocolate pecan bread. No, it's white chocolate and, and pecan. No, there's like a chewy raisin or something in there, or cranberry. Is it really not? It's the white chocolate caramelizes. Oh my gosh. And it's, it's so in this good. bread, and it it's like a fresh baked loaf, and you ask them to slice it. And I like them to slice it at 18, because it's thick. That's what I got today. And I'm not kidding. It's Moansville. Wait, did you buy a whole loaf? And then they slice it in the store no, but did you buy a whole loaf today yeah. and you ate half of it and i, ate I didn't it? eat half of it you ate two-thirds of it. okay i ate two-thirds <laughs> listen oh my gosh it's you're so good. gonna need some of this bread white you, chocolate pecan white chocolate pecan i didn't this is the problem is that i go to Harmon's usually at like 11 p.m i go to, to work out and then i go to late at night grocery shopping and the bakery is closed every single time and so today i was supposed to be working and then we were going to record the podcast and i just drove to Harmon's because it was during the day and they had fresh baked loaves and it was perfect because i hadn't had breakfast or lunch and you walked in with this bread Mm. the best Mm. all right so let's just get right into it money honey let's talk about money now this is really funny i am asked all the time how do you make money 
Allison. At first, I was like, okay, I get it. Like, it's a confusing business model, or maybe there's not that many people who do what I do. But like, I don't know, people who have online things are more common now. And then I got to a point where when people would ask me like, well, what do you do for money? I'd almost feel offended because I'd be like, how do you not know like what I'm doing? But two things. One, it's very confusing from the outside. If maybe you only listen to the podcast and you don't see on Instagram that I post about these branding workshops or you don't understand what I monetize or don't monetize. And also then the other reason I decided I wanted to talk about it was because I do believe that as a business, and I'm a business, that it's really good to be transparent with people on how you're monetizing because then that helps people trust you and understand what it is you're working with. And so broad sweeping general picture, and Eric's going to talk about his monetization too and what we've learned from building businesses. I prefer to monetize in big chunks with big projects that I'm really invested in rather than small individual things like along the month. So for example, I won't have a paycheck for two or three months and then I'll get a big paycheck. Also, the thing to keep in mind is I have higher business expenses and costs now. So I have an office space. I have assistance. I pay for childcare. If you own an office space, there's just costs that go into it like utilities and trash bags and just all the things, right? And so it really does, <laughs> it really does turn into the situation of the more money you make, the more money you spend on and on and on. What's so, another way to say that? Mo money, mo problems, but I'm not saying that anymore. I know. I just wanted you to talk about that. Well, I'll talk about that in a second. Eric, why don't you start and share how you monetize what you do, and then I'll share all of the things that I do. Well, do you, should I start at the beginning or just say I, what's happening? I think what happens is when, when people work for themselves or when people have a job, it's very easy for them to share what's happening currently. And then it leaves every single other person who's listening and trying to get to that point left saying, wait, but how did you get there? Right. How did you get to the point where people pay you for that? So I, what I'm going to do and what I think you should do is share how you started monetizing and then what it looks like now. Okay, cool. So your, I'll try to, I'll try to your be quick. Money journey. So I'm going to go over what, 12, 13 years of my life. So I'll be, I'll be quick during but thorough. Yeah, I'll be thorough. <laughs> So uh, it's funny, during my college years, I you know, was here in Utah Valley, went to UVU, and I had friends that were in the film program and films that were in the marketing programs at school. And uh, what I, this is during the time of MySpace. Mm. Great website. It's how Eric and I actually <laughs> connected as I sent him my phone number over MySpace. Unsolicited. You're welcome. So uh, I was doing just my solo music back in the day under Pleasant Pictures, and I had all these songs online sitting there. Uh, when my friends were in school, they would do student projects, and I would work with them. So I'd start scoring their stuff and putting music to different things. Well, some of them went on to work at BYU TV, which is like a uh, the college here is BYU and it's a it's the network it's the channel and they make custom shows and so I got they hired me to do a, a show called Road Design so I did the intro and I did music throughout which was a huge confidence builder and it kind of guided me towards oh, yeah I like this I got paid for it and there was something on television with your music yeah so I was on TV and like a real show you're famous I'm famous so I just kept making cool content this is what I want to say if you're trying to make money 
in a field, people aren't just going to pay you because you're good at it because they don't know you're good at it. So you, so I would just kept making cool stuff. I would just make my own thing. So obviously I wasn't getting paid for it, but it was like a resume or a portfolio. So from that, I had other friends that would graduate and they went on to work at companies and they'd work in the marketing department. And then I get hired to do corporate video like hey and this, a lot of it's dumb stuff he just had a song in a tesla video tesla video can you believe that tesla you guys yeah search uh kawaii solar we'll power link, tesla we'll link to it in the yeah. show notes okay cool so from there i just got better gigs and better gigs and I, but the but the key thing that was always consistent is i just kept getting better myself and making cool content and then I'd done stuff for Reebok and Wendy's and Vivint and Tesla and yeah, numerous companies. And I think it's interesting to point out, we do talk about how we got started with our businesses in episode two. Mm -hmm. And also people hear Wendy's and Tesla. It's usually a third party group that reaches out to Eric. And the other thing to note is I will say this too, that all of my most successful collaborations and biggest collaborations have been the result of people reaching out to me because they see the content I'm creating. Right. And so on the one hand, yes, you do need to reach out to people. On the other hand, Eric and I have both found that just by creating and putting our our stuff out there, we attract good customers. Right, right. We don't sit back waiting for it to come to us. Well, because I think a lot of people think, well, how do you approach Wendy's and who do I email? And it's like, that's not how it works. No, no, no. Most big companies will hire an ad agency and those agencies will go out and find talent. And that's how I've been hired to do that. So, so aside from corporate video, I've done, I've worked on radio. I've done the Vasa stuff for Utah um, Utah Mazda. And, um, I've also produced tracks for bands. So when I lost my job in 2012, I decided I wanted to get into the music scene again. And so I met a friend and together we made created Oceaneer and I just started making tracks and bands would start coming to me asking me to work with them. So that's just kept kind of rolling and rolling as I'm always producing someone. And then it's, what's really cool is with the band, like specifically New Shack, we are now getting placements in TV shows and commercials around the country. So now I've had my music in on an MTV show on, there's a show called Girlfriend's Guide to Divorce. I've never seen it, but we have some music in there. So now I'm getting paid for that. And that again is a third party agency. Right. I have a guy in LA. And they approached you? How did you find um, him? No, I just knew that there's a couple bands here that had been placed Mm -hmm. through this guy in LA. And I'm like, holy cow, I want to do this. So I kept sending him stuff. And for the first three submissions, I got denied. And then finally I sent him some New Shack stuff. He's like, holy cow, I love this. And so okay, from so that, there's an example of you reaching out. Oh yeah, I was. I, I saw that there was bands having success getting mm-hmm. stuff placed on TV, and I said, I want that. So I had a couple early projects that I sent in that totally got denied. Yeah. And then and then uh, New Shack got accepted. I will point out though, you didn't just send him an email saying, "Hey, can I pick your brain? Uh, what kind of stuff do you want? <laughs> uh, can I take you to lunch?" You just sent him stuff that had value immediately. Yeah, I said, hey, I would love to be in your lineup. Yeah. I'd love. To work with you. Sorry, I made that voice, but I'm not sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, and then from that, what's then? So I've been doing that for years, the last three or four years, all those different things. And then what's really crazy is we started this podcast just and a few months ago, just a few months, just a months few ago, short months ago. And I have had people like I've been doing that nonprofit, the Orange Socks. I've we had talked other, about other that people a couple episodes ago. Yeah, so other people have wanted me to edit audio and interviews and all that different stuff. So I'm thinking about now creating a side business of. 
like an audio editing house. No, you're doing it. It's because you've already created it. Yeah, I'm going to do it. So I'm going to be able to take on a lot more clients and I'm going to put a little business together to do audio editing for podcasts, for interviews, for books on tape. Well, and like it just makes stuff. perfect sense because you already have the music. You've already created all, this entire library of commercial music. So unlike other audio editors you're able to bring music to the table too. Right. Really good music. That's my other new business I'm, st- I'm doing is I'm putting, oh, yeah. I'm putting together a big custom music library because I license my music to people. They, they pay to use it for their commercials. Well, now I have all these songs and I'm going to have a site where people can come and pay to use songs for their social media or mm-hmm. ads or whatever. So that'll, that, that's happening this year as well. And what that looks like on a day-to-day basis is sometimes you're creating content and you don't have any money coming in for it. Right. And I think that's what a lot of people maybe miss or don't get is Eric and I operate a big deal on just faith. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's different. It's like like how I live my life is these are the things I need to get done. I'm probably not going to get paid for this for six months, mm-hmm. but it's part of I need to do it now because yeah. I'm, I'm counting on that in six months. Yeah, and that so, makes sense. Yeah, so each day I try to get a couple hours of paid work done, but then I also have a couple hours of non-paid work done because it will pay off later. Yeah, and I think one thing Eric has been a really good example of to me is always prioritizing his passion and his art projects so that he doesn't get burnout when he has a lot of paid clients that you're excited about working with, but it's yeah. it's not your passion project. Yeah. Right? Working on other people's stuff isn't my isn't my thing. Yeah. It's my business and I love it and I'm grateful for it. Mm-hmm. But I have to be creating to be fulfilled. And so yeah. I so I do. I schedule time to create for myself. I want to share with you a lie. A dirty, filthy, horrible lie I've seen on the internet lately, and it is this. Do what you love, and you'll never feel like you're working a day in your life. <laughs> I, if, if that, I could turn that into a dummy and like punch it, I would. Because let me tell you something. I do exactly what I love. I'm so freaking lucky to do exactly what I love and I've worked really hard to be able to do it and it still feels like work. And so the people who are saying that, I love you and I think you're awesome and I'm not saying that you're wrong. I'm just saying, call me in five years. That's what I'm saying. (laughs) Because there is a point when you start being able to do what you love for work, It's just like any other relationship. There's that infatuation phase Mm -hmm. where you're just so Twitter-pated and so in love that you just can't imagine a time when you're not trying to rip each other's clothes off. But then, like any other relationship, that strong love and excitement and passion is there. But some days you wake up and you're like, hey, high five, we're just going to get through this together, right? Well, I think as soon as a paycheck or money is tied to what you're doing or what your passion is, it kind of, it takes a little bit of magic out of it. It does, yeah. It does, and, and that's why... Because the expectations. Well, expectations and you have to, you're working for someone else in mm-hmm. a way. But that's why it's important to do your own thing and not exactly. expect pay. Exactly. Because you can stay in love with it. And I think 
I mean, I'm sure there's always some exception. Maybe there's somebody out there who really built a business doing exactly what they love and every single day it never feels like work. But I would also venture to say that like they're the type of person who like runs a marathon. It like isn't even hard, you know, like <laughs> I think that <laughs> I have a pretty, maybe, maybe they have the lowest expe- expectations. Yeah, in the I have world. a pretty positive attitude and I'm extremely grateful for every single work project that I have and job that I have. And still there's portions of every single piece of work that I do that are like, you got to buckle down and do it. Well, you don't do anything small. So I don't do anything small. Yeah. So yours, your stuff is so extravagant and big that it, it is work. You, no matter how much fun it is, there's yeah. things to overcome. Yeah. So, okay. So Eric shared, um, his journey and my journey is like this is I didn't have to monetize the second I started blogging and if you want to monetize the second you start blogging using the wrong business because that's just not how it works and so I the way I first started making money with my blog was by contributing to other sites so I wrote for Babbel uh, babble.com it's like a big overhead like parent company site and I would get paid for um, writing four posts a month and then I started teaching online courses on altsummit.com they had like a teaching section of their website it was a blogging conference that I had spoke at and while I was doing both of those things I was also doing copywriting freelance so I was making money on the side because that's what my training was in was writing and so I had some jobs through the ad agency that I used to work for. And then I also worked for BYU TV freelance while I was building my own thing. So I wasn't making money from my blog to start. And then I started writing for other sites and then that grew me a little bit more and I kept growing my blog and my brand and Instagram came on the scene. And then I started getting some small sponsored posts. And again, I didn't get these by reaching out to people. I I think it was because I'd been contributing to bigger sites that third-party agents agencies would see me. And then I started making all of this YouTube content and I met somebody at a blogging conference and then I got a partnership with a, they call it a multi-channel network on YouTube and they find advertisers who want to work with you. And I mean, I want you to understand how rarely I do that. It's maybe two or three times a year that I do like a sponsored video content. And especially back then it was maybe twice a year. So again, I've always monetized with bigger projects rather than taking a lot of sponsored posts. I don't love doing sponsored posts unless they meet a certain number of requirements. And we can talk about pricing in a minute and I'll share some of those requirements for me. I also at the time was selling um, handmade goods on Etsy and then I was selling digital goods on Etsy. So I would design wedding invitations and baby shower invitations and I also designed patterns like sewing patterns and I sold those. That never made me very much money at all. And then I did a another digital product, a hip handmade holiday, and I did that with Susan Peterson of Freshly Picked, and it was an online craft book. Uh, we also did it with Matt Mildenstein, who's a designer at Chatbooks now. He's the lead graphic designer, and I'm sure other things over there. We created that. It was an online book full of crafts for Christmas. I mean, it was okay. We learned a lot from doing it. Obviously, we've talked about this before. Susan Peterson's moccasins kind of became the more successful business. <laughs> 
but that was good experience creating online content. And then uh, because I was throwing parties for myself and parties for my children, I started getting offers from companies to do events for influencers. So what companies will want to do is they're coming to a blogging conference and instead of Microsoft throwing the party, they'll want to throw Allison Show and Microsoft a party so that the influencers kind of have like a face to attach to the brand. So I started working with Microsoft and again, the way that I met Microsoft was by meeting them at a blogging conference, by meeting a representative from there. And how I started my dance parties, and I've shared this before, was I did parties for other people. And then when the opportunity came up with Microsoft, there was one more party I needed to throw. And I said, hey, I helped freshly pick do this all-female dance party. I'd like to do all-female dance parties. Can I do one for you? And I didn't have enough money to do it by myself, so I did one for Microsoft. And then how I threw my next one that was Allison Show Dance Party and not for somebody else was when Hasbro, uh, so games like Hungry Hungry Hippos and Twister came to me through a third-party agency. They wanted to do some sponsored YouTube content, and I said, but what if we do a dance party instead? And they were like, this girl's insane, sure, whatever. And so that's how that got started. But meanwhile, in there, I launched Allison's Cookie Party, my online course for how to make the perfect sugar cookies with royal icing. And because of my experience, doing the digital content that never sold on Etsy and a hip handmade holiday that only kind of sold. (laughs) I did an even better job on Allison's Cookie Party and Allison's Cookie Party is a in good deal one of the reasons we were able to buy our new house. Because most of the money I make there's not like a paper trail. There is a paper trail, but the cookie party, there's like a site that hosts it. And so we were able to show that the the powers that be like a pay stub of sorts that was substantial enough that it made sense for a house. But that has tapered off a little bit. And then I started charging for speaking. And I do speak at very large conferences. And I speak at blogging conferences. I speak at conferences for businesses. I'll speak on how to make your life the party you just can't miss. And I'll also speak on branding. And so I charge for my speaking services. But again, I started speaking for free. Mm -hmm. And then I charged a little bit and then I charged a little bit more and always increasing as I feel my skill and ability has increased. So last year, I'd say I made most of my money from doing a few sponsored posts. So I have some fun YouTube videos I did for at home and then from doing my parties. And the way that I made money doing the dance parties is kind of through ticket sales. And unless you do events, you just don't understand how expensive events are. And so I I couldn't make enough money to do a party with just ticket sales. There has to be a headline sponsorship. But even then, with a headline sponsorship and increasing the ticket sales, the level that I do the parties at with the number of people it takes for me to contract and hire and the number of services and the months of work it takes, parties are just, they're a tricky business model. Anybody who does events will tell you this, you know? And so that's why this year as I've been focusing on feeling awesome and focusing on mental and emotional health, I wanted to create content that was more scalable. That's why at the beginning of the year, I finally sat down after two years of having taken notes and done a keynote presentation on it at a blogging conference on branding. And I created my how to build an awesome brand content. And then I started by doing two workshops. 
and I priced those, I believed that the content for a full day worth of content and how it would change somebody's life and business was worth anywhere from $800 to $1,000. And how did I come up with that number? It's just what I would have paid for it. (laughs) And also I had gone to some business workshops that were priced at more than that. And so I was like, oh, I paid that much money to go to a workshop that had this. And I believe I'm giving two to three times the value that workshop gave. And that's pretty much how I operate, right? So, but instead of pricing it at that price to start, I priced it at $250 to start because it was the first time I was teaching it. And then after that set of workshops, I doubled it. And then now my new workshops will be at $750, the next two that I'm going to do. And they might increase a little bit after that. But then with pricing, it's not this thing where you just keep increasing the price, increasing the price, increasing the price because you can. I like to think, okay, what really makes it make sense for my time and my business model and the expense I have to put into it, then you also have to take into account the level of commitment you want the person to have who's paying you. And then you also need to take into account your experience and the type of content that you're sharing. So when I priced Allison's cookie party, even though I sincerely believe that I've taken and seen online courses that cost $300 or $400 and Allison's cookie party is at a higher level than those courses, it's teaching you how to make sugar cookies. So I just can't price a cookie class at more than $30. One, because I don't morally feel like I should. And two, because learning how to make cookies isn't something that then goes and helps somebody else necessarily make money. I mean, it could, but that's not the intent of the course. So those are things to take into account for pricing, but like every single thing I've done, I started by doing for free or for trade. And I think this is the big discussion when we talk about pricing is charge what you're worth, charge what you're worth, but... I feel like the other half of the conversation that gets forgotten is you need to freaking earn it first. And just because you think your time is precious and your product is perfect, if you haven't gone out there and put in the time and proven yourself, don't charge like a diva. And so, (laughs) and that's the thing. So on the one hand, you'll talk to me and I'll always say, raise your price, raise your price, raise your price. And then sometimes you'll come and talk to me and I'll be like, I get that you're paying for a babysitter and I get that it costs you X amount of money in product or this or that to do what you want to do. But you haven't proven yourself. You don't have the expertise and the quickness and the experience yet that is proven. You need to put it into action first. And so like the dance parties, the headline sponsorships, the branding course, I always like to make sure that I can prove it before I price it at what I really think it should be priced at. That's a good soundbite. Prove it before you price it. Prove it before you price (laughs) it. Now, the second half of that is overcoming your fear and your negative emotional connection to money Mm -hmm. to be able to open yourself to earning more of it. And that's where we're going to talk about thought McNuggets, sharing is caring. If you know me and if you've been following me for the past three years, you know I've been talking about Jen Sincero and her book, You Are a Bad A. Again, it is edited in case there are children in the room, but that is not the actual name of the book. Last week, her new book, You Are a Bad A at Making Money, Master the Mindset of Wealth, came out and it is literally the best thing that ever happened to me. Reading her book the first time is what helped me realize that I had a negative relationship with money. I felt guilty for earning money. I felt dirty for charging what I thought I was worth. And I felt that I didn't deserve to make money because 
I didn't come from like a poor background and things in life were great for me in certain ways. And so it felt like I was being greedy to expect anything else. For example, your first dance party that you threw yourself. So the first dance party that I threw myself, I charged like under $10 a ticket and I I lost money doing the event and I lost my sanity. You lost sleep. I lost sleep. I lost years of my life. Because of the price. I remember you just like freaking out that people wouldn't pay $10. Well, you know what it was? It's not even that I didn't think people would pay $10. It's that I thought that I was greedy to ask for them to pay Mm. me money. Uh, My last dance party was a $60 ticket. And here's what it comes down to. I believe in over $200 value experience. That's what I believe that's what I'm delivering. Mm-hmm. I've believed that from day one, that this experience I'm delivering costs more than what I'm charging people. And so I feel like that's fair. Mm-hmm. But at $60, I'm like, gosh, thank you. Thank you so much for buying this ticket. But when it was at $30, it felt like, even though I really appreciated the $30, it still felt like I was doing somebody a favor. Mm -hmm. And so if you feel like you're doing people a favor for your services, you're doing them a disservice Mm -hmm. because they're paying you their hard-earned money. And if you're not appreciative and grateful for it, that's your problem, not theirs. So it was my problem that I wasn't charging enough for my time and the effort and the experience. So that's twofold. It was one, I needed to charge a little bit more to compensate for all of the work and effort and costs that go into the events. And two, I needed to emotionally and mentally get comfortable with raising my prices. Mm -hmm. And I had to baby step it. I couldn't just go from $12 to $60. So... And you know what? There were people who said negative things to me. There were. Of course, that'll always happen. Yeah, there were people who looked at me and said, how dare she think she's worth that much money? And guess what? I'm still standing. (laughs) I'm still standing better than I ever did. Looking like a true survivor. Feeling like a little kid. Uh, yeah, I thought it would kill me. People thinking negative things about me and thinking I was, that's the thing that's hardest for me is I don't want people to think I'm greedy Mm -hmm. and that I'm money grubbing and that I'm entitled because I really value in myself that I'm not greedy and that I try to give and try to be really fair. And so if people don't value that, then I think I'm a failure. Mm -hmm. And so in Jen Sincero's You Are a Bad A at Making Money book, she shares this quote about being rich. And I love it because we think being rich is dirty and bad and negative. And the main focus of the book is changing your mindset about money. And you guys, of course, money isn't the only thing that matters. We know that. We know that. Mm-hmm. We're not trying to say money's the only thing that matters, but we live in a world where every single day you need to interact with money. And so by villainizing it and saying that it's evil and the root of all corruption and all hate in the world, we are just assigning emotions and labels to something that is an inanimate object. It's neither good nor bad unless we label it so. And also, it's neither good nor bad unless we use it for good or bad. This is how she defines rich. Able to afford all the things and experiences required to fully experience your most authentic 
life. While the amount of money you need will depend on who you are and what you desire, ain't nobody writing for free. (laughs) And so I love that her definition of rich is able to afford all the things and experiences required to fully experience your most authentic life, because that's going to look different for me than it is for you. Are you going to talk about more money, more problems? Oh, I have a sign on my wall from Allison's Hip Hop Hooray Dance Party, Mo Money, Mo Problems. And it's something I love to say. It's just funny. I'm quoting a a rap lyric. And again, but this is the truth of it, guys. I think I have it on my wall in like a deep subconscious place that I'm ashamed of some of the success that I have or that I, I feel guilty. So I want to like, not guilty, but I feel like undeserving of it. And so I want to mitigate it. So I have this beautiful office space that I worked really, really hard to be able to have. And what do I put up in it? Mo money, mo problems. And so reading You Are a Bad A at Making Money and really reevaluating my attitude towards money and what I'm saying and the energy I'm putting out there towards money, I'm literally saying, and it's on my wall, universe, God, if you give me mo money, I'm going to act like it is giving me more problems. And it's just not true. Because again, money is not inherently evil. It is neither bad nor good. It's what you do with it. You're not a bad person if you charge fairly for your services. You're not a bad person if you make millions and millions and millions of dollars. If you do bad things with that money or you earn it dishonestly, Yes. And I just, I just didn't realize what a weird, wonky, yucky relationship I had with money. And I told Eric like, Hey, let's do an episode about money. And he was like, are you going to be okay sharing that? Cause he knows how I am. So I'll have to, but I just had to put on my big girl pants and be like, guess what guys? I love money. And you know why I love money? Because it enables me to spend more time with my family. It enables me to create more content that I love. And it enables me to be my most authentic, awesome self. I don't value money over people. I don't value money over ethics and morals and integrity. But I'm getting to the point where it's okay to love making money in a glorious way and then share it with the world in a glorious way. Yeah, money is not the end. No. Because at the end of our lives, great, we have money, but we also have this amazing skill set. We have the relationships Mm -hmm. we made. We have these products and we have all the things. And that's way more important than money in the end. It is. And money is beside the point. It really is because it's hysterical. I'll I'll do a, a, a sponsorship with somebody and they can write me a paycheck, but unless I get a verbal confirmation from them that they're happy with the work I did, I don't even care about, I literally don't even care about the paycheck. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously I care that people pay me, but what's more important to me is that the relationship and the transaction went through in a healthy way. Mm-hmm. Uh, but because I think I've had some of this shame associated with making money, I've treated it cavalierly. So when it comes to needing somebody to pay me for an invoice or following through on payment for something, I get embarrassed or try to act like I'm not desperate for money. And that then is showing an attitude that I think I'm too good for money. But it's because I'm trying to show that I'm not too good for money. It's it's <laughs> like I'm saying I am too good for money. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. So moral of the story, 
give us all your money. Just kidding. (laughs) So this is all great. Eric and I sharing how we make money and sharing our story. And I know that we learn from hearing other people's experience, but I thought I would pose five questions for you to ask yourself so that you can take away even more value from this and, and hopefully start manifesting and creating all of the money that you want in your life. And question number one is, are you looking at money with lack or abundance? And we talk about this a lot, that principle of looking at things with lack or abundance. And if you're always worried about saving money and not spending money and there's not enough money, that is a principle of lack. But if you genuinely believe that there is enough of everything and there's enough for everybody and that you can create it, that principle of abundance comes back and serves you. So do you have that attitude of lack or abundance with money? It also has, it's also having faith Mm-hmm. That dollars follow value. If yes. you have faith in that, yeah, then it, it works out. It's hard though. It's super hard every, when money's tight. Every single time it has been tight, I have faith, and something always comes through. Every single time. And you never like go inside and stop making stuff and just like hoard. You know, you're yeah. always creating content. I actually always. start spending more money and doing more things. <laughs> I'm I'm dead serious. <laughs> Because you got to spend money to make money. So the question number one is lack or abundance. And it takes a lot of faith. That's right, Eric. Because you got to have faith. Yes, I got to have faith. Ooh, I got to have faith. Question number two. Are you creating value and charging fairly for your services? So just like Eric has said, I've said dollars follow value. Are you creating real value? And if you are creating real value, are you either trading those services so you can learn more about that value and more how to make it applicable for people to put into action or are you charging fairly? Because maybe you're like me, you're not charging fairly and then you start to resent people or you start to resent the work. I used to do that in the past and I don't do that anymore. So you can know that if you pay me for services, I'm freaking stoked and I'm going to give you 300,000%, right? It's true. So make sure you're charging fairly for yourself and charging fairly for other people. Question number three, do you have some deep-rooted shame that you need to uncover about money? I thought that I had uncovered all of my money shame issues and then realized literally on the wall of my office, I was putting out the message that mo money will bring mo problems. And I'm removing that picture and I am no longer manifesting that crap. Question number four, are you expecting the actions of a hobby to yield the results of a business? This might seem kind of out of left field, but because I do so much consultation work with individuals looking to start businesses and build brands, a big part of it is that people are treating something like a hobby, like growing on social media or making music or making crafts. And then they sit back and they look at all of the people who are putting in the time and money and commitment of a business and expect their hobby to yield the results of a business. So you just need to ask yourself that if you're sitting there feeling slighted, like I'm doing this and it should be giving me the money of a business. Are you treating it like a business or are you treating it like a hobby? And then question number five is how can I show more gratitude for the money and opportunities I already have around me? And it's, it always comes back to gratitude. And I got a check for $15 and Eric was like, did you even cash that? Well, I saw it in the garbage. Well, because I'd already cashed Well, yeah, it. and I thought, you know what? In the past, well, 
I didn't know you were reading this book. So I'm like, yeah. did you just throw that away? Because yeah. I thought I thought she probably might have. Like, oh, it's just fifteen dollars, this or that. And I was like, no, actually, I kissed it and I said a prayer of thanks for that fifteen dollars and had so much gratitude in my heart for that fifteen dollars and freaking changed my snotty attitude, which wasn't coming out of out of a place of being snotty, but was coming out of a place of being ashamed and having fear and not wanting to feel like all I cared about was money. And the ironic thing is when you act like you're too good for and don't care about money, you're actually being a huge brat. Like, you know what I mean? You're actually being way worse than somebody who's like, yes, $15 is just as exciting as $15,000. Like money wants to come to people who are stoked about it, guys. Right? Yeah. Right. So those are just five I, I have one more. I have one more thing. Get at it, baby. I can't believe we didn't think of this. What? Yeah, I've listened to different money teachers or whatever. Yeah. And even giving away money is always one of the things they say. <gasps> yes. Yes, yes. Jen Sincero in her book said, give away money every day for 30 days. Yeah. Should we give somebody $100 on the podcast? Sure. Yeah. Yes, like I told absolutely. you, whenever I don't have a lot well, of money, I start giving it well, away. <laughs> well, I'm just saying they say give away. Well, for example, like tithing. We, yeah. we pay 10% to our church. Mm-hmm. People say they pay 10% to a charity, like giving yeah. money, understanding that you're, you're, it's not even ours to begin with. It's just, yeah. it's just representation of value we created. It's true. Yeah. You give it away and it comes back more fully. It is because I'm working on that charity event and it's not making me any money, but you know what is the branding content and the workshops started creating this whole business. Yeah that I didn't anticipate. Well, I anticipated it, but not the way that it's working out. So I started teaching the workshops and then that led to me doing some work for free for some corporate companies to see how I could create a corporate branding package. Mm -hmm. And I created a corporate branding package and now I have corporate branding clients. So I get to do a lot of stuff for the Allison show like this. It's I'm not making any money from it, but it's my art. It's my passion. Mm -hmm. I'm stoked, but I'm actually just as stoked about the brand work I'm doing too. Yeah. Remember when I said it doesn't feel like work if you love it? I take it all back. (laughs) (laughs) So give money away. Give money away. Wait, but should we give somebody a hundred dollars? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. The podcast person that you choose to read the review of, we're going to send you a hundred dollars and tumblers and a new shack. Whose podcast review did you choose? Okay. I chose someone named Anderson 653. Here we go. I I started listening to Awesome with Allison earlier this week, and I'm obsessed. Seriously, ask anyone who's chatted with with me this week. It's funny, it's cool, but most importantly, it's mega inspiring. Allison and Eric are rad, and you walk away from each episode feeling so empowered. Episodes 14 and 15 have been my faves so far. Total game changers for me. I don't even know if she knows our kid is named Rad. But that just like kind of did it. Oh, is that what sealed there's, it There's for all you? these like secret things that make me want to pick your thing, you know, the review. Yeah, you never know what's going to speak to him. And so, okay, that is a thank you for you guys going and leaving those reviews on iTunes, for sharing about the podcast. Can I tell you how much it means to me when I see people in their stories sharing about the podcast that they're listening to it? I don't get a chance to respond to all those, but thank you so, so much for sharing. Um, we're going to send, what was her name? Uh, Anderson. Anderson. Hey, send us an email. We're going to send you, as usual, the I'm doing awesome Tumblr, a new Shack CD, and we're going to throw a $100 bill in there because it's the money episode and it just seemed like we should. And because if we want to create more awesome money in this world, we need to give away more awesome money too. Oh, guys, thanks for being here. This was a really long episode. Well, you know what? It's worth it. 
Okay. Hashtag worth it. Hashtag. All right. Thank you guys so much for being here. We hope you've learned something. We hope you feel inspired. We hope you feel more awesome that money isn't bad and evil. It's great. And you have the power to create whatever you want, whether it's money, love, awesomeness. It's up to you. Why? Why? Because only you can be you and you are already as awesome as you need to be. And I am saying that with so much love in my heart, even if you hate it and even if you don't want it, I'm sending it to you. Eric, what are you going to take us out on? This is a, this has been an emotional, you know, up and down, just an intense podcast. <laughs> so I'm going to send you out on a song called Stereo Sedation. It's a slow burn. Just sit back, okay. relax, let it take you where it's going to take you. Don't try to do anything with it. Let it take you. Who's it by? It's by New Shack, oh, of okay. course. Okay. Here we go. Okay.